This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. I can't decide if I should start this podcast by saying Friday or Sunday, 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 because that's when our next piece comes out. But happy Friday to all of you. Thanks for being back with us. We've got the Acura Integra Type S and Civic Type R and Audi S3 piece coming. It was scheduled to be Thursday of this week, and then we decided to push it to Sunday mm -hmm. because, what is it, about 33 minutes? It is about 33 minutes, and we had lots of Prius shooting this week. A shout out to our friends at Fredestein Tires because they gave us the performance tires to put on our Prius project. So we shot not Prius one, project. but two Prius projects this week. We actually shot a Canyon piece to actually talk about. When you and I first got this car, mm -hmm. the lightest of corners overwhelmed the tires. So yes. with new wheels yes, and new tires from Redestein, we've got the Vorti Plus on there. We decided, all right, we're going to put it in a Canyon now with a GTI and talk about is it improved and how much. Well, the cool thing is the GTI base comes on pretty terrible tires, too. <laughs> yes, and so this particular car was also privately owned and was on some upgraded wheels and tires, too. Mm -hmm. So that was really apples to apples. It and worked out really well. Nice. Yeah, it was very cool. So we're, uh, we're very pleased to get that edited and uh, ship it out. And yeah, that was the first of two shoots. Take a the look at second that. one was the actual Prius on track piece that if we can make something that makes sense out of that, mostly because you and I spent the day cackling, then we'll have a piece out of that as well, which is going to be very funny. Again, this is the beginnings of what we have called a Prius build, but there's not a lot of Prius parts yet. Not a lot of Prius parts and still the question mark about people's heads when mm -hmm. they hear about our Prius project. And I say, yes. no, no, it's going to be fun. Not only are we driving it against a GTI, we're going to take this Prius on track. People will say, you mean like a racetrack? Yeah. <laughs> It's actually, Prius racing? It was actually one of my favorite things, showing up the racetrack yesterday <laughs> and seeing all the people involved with us being on track going, wait, that's the track car? That's the one with the that's sticker the in the corner of the window? Exactly. To your race car. You didn't drive here to something in a garage? <laughs> that's the one you're taking on? Exactly. It was great. Fantastic. Well, good news, everybody. The 2024 BMW X2 has been introduced. Is this good news? Well, my question to the audience and to us is how does this push automotive design and the automotive industry forward? Okay. First of all, the X2 will be available in two flavors in North America. It's a two-liter engine. One makes less horsepower, 241 horsepower. The other one makes more horsepower, 312, mm -hmm. but about the same amount of torque. And I'm looking at the styling, I'm looking at what this has, and it'll be pretty quick, and I'm sure it'll handle decently, but yeah. that's a market where a lot of things are pretty quick, and a lot of things this size and very upright handle decently. But then I'm looking at the European offerings, okay. which are a whole lot more. Oh, okay. This X2 will be available as an EV in Europe, and it'll also be available with a much lower power engine. Mm. I understand for uh, fuel economy, but overall, because that EV is going to be offered in Europe, that means the same car has to be designed to accommodate two different drivetrains. Yes, true. And current technology does not allow for something beautiful to be designed and shove an EV powertrain in it, okay. at least from what I can tell. Okay. Because, because everything seems to be oddly well, proportioned. Yeah. Name a beautiful EV currently. Name one. Uh, the See, Teslas. Lucids are pretty good looking. Lucids are pretty good looking, but imagine that as a tall SUV. Would that work? 
Yeah. I'm not sure. Lucid, Lucid's Rivia, not bad. The Rivians are working. Rivians are kind of working. They're uh, less compact, but they still are. They look pretty stout. Yeah, they do. You're right. I'll spin your, your question around. Let's name a svelte, elegant looking EV because now you really are stumped. The problem with this, and I'm glad we have come up with some options here, but even those EVs, there isn't a gas-powered version of a Rivian. There isn't That's a gas point. Lucid. Point, yeah. So this has is clearly, it has to be kind of both. Hence the tall body side. And the driver looks like they are sitting at a dining room table. They're sitting <laughs> yeah. quite upright. And that's the driving position that we want? Really? This is where we're at? So I'm challenging car designers everywhere and the automotive industry and BMW. Maybe give <laughs> customers what they <laughs> to, to don't what? think they want. <laughs> because this is what customers think they want. And BMW mm-hmm. is clearly delivering on what customers are buying. Customers, customers set the trend. But over here, Apple has always said, here is what you want and you will like it. They don't mm-hmm. do focus groups. They don't ask everybody, mm-hmm. what should we do? Here's the new iPhone. That's a lot like the last iPhone, but still, here's the new iPhone. <laughs> you so will new, like it, man. and it will be awesome, and it has features, and many people discovered me like, yeah, I didn't think I needed this. This it, isn't a mm. car that people look at and want to buy and think, I had no idea I, no I wanted, idea that. wanted that. Yeah. That's <laughs> I totally need that. Yeah. Thank you, BMW, for building yeah. something I didn't know that I wanted or needed, and this category is littered with so many other kinds of SUVs that mm-hmm. have this proportion, it doesn't look beautiful. It doesn't look fast. It doesn't look mm. amazing. It just looks like high-end luxury vehicle that does everything other lower-priced vehicles can do. The thing that, that strikes me when I look at the photos of this new X2, and actually the last X2, I felt like that was BMW almost making a hot hatch. That X2 was cool. And this one falls prey to the same thing that I notice in the current 2 Series, and I mean the rear-wheel drive 2 Series that spawns the M2. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, feels like it was literally hundreds of podcasts ago, we had a designer from Hot Wheels on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And yes. one of the interesting things I remember him saying is that they can't just take the CAD files of a car and scale it down to Hot Wheels <laughs> and call it done. They have to revise things, make some things a little more profound, make some things a little more subtle, so that actually in the small form, what is it, 164th scale or whatever, in the small form, Proportionally, yes. you're looking at it and it looks like what you think it should. Mm-hmm. Even though, he said, if they did the reverse and they blew that Hot Wheels up to full size, it wouldn't look right. Right. I feel like this X2 and the current M2, or 2 Series, both look like the Hot Wheels version of a car blown up to full scale and we're looking uh, at it going, that's not quite right, is it? Yeah, I totally see that. That's a good analogy there. Europe will get a fully EV version, four-cylinder diesels, a three-cylinder gas engine that I was talking about that's less power, and then a very powerful four-cylinder gas engine. But the US only gets these two two liters, which is fine. And it's really just a price and trim level difference. That's mm. really all that's being offered. It's pretty much the same engine. But again, I come back to looking at this and thinking besides lines in a new way, what about this particular vehicle pushes the entire world of cars forward into the future? I don't have a good answer. I, I know that I, don't I am know. stumped. <laughs> what about this? It's not a cash grab, but it's a serving the market need for where BMW's design is currently. Well, to that point, I shudder to do the numbers to find out what percentage of cars we drive in a calendar year that are SUVs or CUVs because it's more than half. But the truth is everybody has every possible scale. This is BMW doing one under current BMW styling. Doors look awfully tall. 
Well, because all of, look all of these SUVs look tall now. I mean, even the Chevy Blazer mm-hmm. was surprising because it took Camaro influence yeah. and it was yeah. actually great to drive. Mm-hmm. And this was not a high-end expensive SUV. Yeah, sure. I'm talking about not the not the, the EV that's uh, about the ultimate yeah. battery-powered yeah, yeah. EV, the prior generation Chevy Blazer, which mm-hmm. seemed at first to be just like another Me Too category, mm-hmm. and it should have been a different vehicle altogether because the Bronco's back that looks actually like a Bronco and this blazer. I know looks there's a whole, there's a like whole rant on the name a blazer, yeah. mm-hmm. but still that blazer was sort of like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's a surprise. So when there are standouts, all I can think is, does this drive amazingly well? Well, maybe I kind of hope so, but there's cars that have a lower center of gravity, better form language, better proportion that will be more fun inherently. So what does this do? What does this do? It allows BMW to continue to update their lineup with their current style. Fantastic. I guess we'll go with that. I don't think we're going to get invited to that launch. Anyway, let's let's <laughs> jump into two really cool car debates. The first one we have is for Matthew in Washington. And uh, he wrote in uh, via a friend, which is very interesting. So we have a local friend here that was mentioning this comment. Well, this is what I love, is that this local friend of ours, Michael, uh, his, his brother Matthew wrote in to him and was like, hey, I'm trying to do this kind of stuff. And Michael went, this is not my area, but I know who could handle this. So we are solving the problem for Matthew and his family in Washington. It is Matthew and his wife and their three kids. And they had a Highlander that got totaled. I hope everybody was okay. It sounds like they were, but I'm very sorry that happened. That has completely changed the conversation. That Oh, also, and the fact that their first of their three kids is about to be driving. So it's a whole new world out here. Well, apparently they've got a boat that they need to tow. Do we know anything about this boat? Is it a ski boat? I, I do. I'm assuming it's a ski boat. I okay. don't understand for sure. Yeah. So they need about 5,000 pounds plus uh, for the towing. And they also have a Lexus RX 350 year 2016. They're willing to sell plus this insurance payout that they got from the total Highlander for $23,000. So the insurance payout plus the Highlander, they're kind of wondering how to spend the uh, the payout. And I was the money looking that RX is worth somewhere between 25, maybe 30 on the high end. So we may have as much as 50 grand to work with. 50, maybe. that's yeah. very helpful. And then, yeah, two cars with the total cash and a truck to tow. And it looks like their 12-year-old is serious about mountain biking. Apparently, it's a downhiller, which is something I have decided to not do. <laughs> you, you, you and I have That's done. Amazing. We've done the ski lift thing before. Yes. And gotten up there, been like, these are not my people because everybody's wearing pads and, <laughs> yeah. and they're on the, the really loose geometry bikes that look like a motocross bike with yeah. the engine taken out. And I'm sitting here going, I'm going to hurt myself, aren't I? That's, that's how that goes. So yeah, bravo on that. Well, let's see. If we've got 50 grand, that might be better because I was initially thinking an all Chevy garage. Mm. Matthew, what about a well-used Suburban and a Bolt? Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. They've said they would love it if this alternate car, this third car that their 16-year-old might drive, is an EV. But I have I, I don't know that that's right. I don't know that the EV is the way to go there. They would like it, but I don't know that it works here for lots of reasons. Though I do like your Bolt idea and a used Suburban. Well, you mentioned they are already have an ID4. Volkswagen yes, ID4 that is staying. They like that. I think there's better EV SUVs you can buy because I was never impressed with the range of ID4. (laughs) They of a family have just turned off the podcast. Apparently, (laughs) the people who buy ID4s have really liked them, and Volkswagen has sold a surprising amount of ID4s. Quite a few, yes. Which is great. However, I'm wondering about your comment about getting a new driver in EV, and this might be a future topic Tuesday because 
I feel like this could teach responsibility to a new driver more so than having a gas-powered car. Really? I kind of have an alternate thought, but please unpack that. Particularly in planning trips and knowing based on your mm. range available, but knowing the range of the car, whether it's used or new and knowing, okay, we've figured out in these temperatures, if it's cold weather, we know mm. the range goes down or if it's hot weather, the range is... Well, maybe not improve that much, but what is the range of the vehicle? And I'm going to take a trip with my, with my friends mm -hmm. and I've got to plan accordingly. So that means I need to know about the charging infrastructure, which in North America and generally the U.S. isn't great. It isn't Europe. Yeah, true. We have very few 50 kilowatt and higher chargers mm -hmm. that are really great for high speed charging. So that means it's going to teach responsibility in the form of planning. First of all, planning your trip and then mm. knowing, okay, I've got this much range available and what, are, you know, how are we going to spend our time when we're charging? Where is that going to be? Are the chargers working and investigating everything about that? Whereas with a gas powered car, it's just gas. It's going to be available and there it is. Mm. And you just fill it up and no problem. If we don't know where a gas station is, just take the nearest exit and look for a uh, gas station. <laughs> look it up on, on your Waze app. This is interesting because you and I thought about the same problem and we came to the exact opposite conclusion because my thinking was the last thing you want is your 16-year-old teenager calling you up and going, Mom, Dad, I'm across town and I'm out of charge. Well, you so, don't want that. You're so, right. So as a result, they're going to have thought, to learn that. You, yes, but as a result, I thought you want either a electric <laughs> hybrid or uh -huh, a PHEV. Yeah. Now, PHEV would be the best of all worlds because then you would get some pure electric reality for runaround stuff. But if your teenager forgot to plug it in last night or is at a friend's house and is out of charge, yes. they're not stuck. They can run on the gas motor and they can get gas down the street. I think the I mean, PHEV actually yeah, is the yeah. best of all worlds. The pro Here's the big problem you guys have, though, Matthew. If you're actually talking about this third car, and I want to come back to your, your towing reality. But this third car being for your 16-year-old, the third car, possibly an EV. Right now, the word electric vehicle mm -hmm. and the word cheap do not have an equal sign between them. Not it's really. It's really hard not to find. Really. And if you want to do one that's cheap, what happens is your, your options as far as ones that you, you want to drive and or ones that will have enough range are limited. I can think of a couple for you. First off, you could find your 16-year-old a used Nissan Leaf for quite cheap. Mm -hmm, However, mm -hmm. do you or your 16-year-old want to drive a used Nissan Leaf? I kind of doubt it. Now, the Bolt is a great one because the Bolt you can get deals on and is actually a surprisingly good car. I think that is a really good one. I'll give you a wild card real quick. BMW i3. Yeah, that's now, good. That is, and here's here's the thing about that. You can get that with the range extender. So it's got about 100 miles or so of range, and then it's got the range extender three-cylinder in the back. That's going to be, I don't know, 15, 18 grand. Rear-wheel drive, decent little EV. That's one I think is actually one of the rare that works on everything I'm talking about because it does give you the backup of, oh, look, I don't have a charge anymore, but it also is an EV. I think hybrid may be your way to go or plug-in hybrid if you can get there. I also had this random thought. I'm thinking about a young driver. Once something looks kind of cool and unique and interesting, a car you talk about a lot, Paul, Honda CRZ. Oh, that's good, actually. Uh, you can get it in manual transmission if you really want to learn stuff. But anyway, but Honda CRZ, they come in auto or in manual. 
It's a Honda product. It's a really good hybrid. It gets great gas mileage. It's cool looking. It's unique. What about one of those? Now, the, that's actually not that usable as far as scale is concerned, but I don't know how much usability you need because the other car in discussion here has to tow stuff. It has to be the big tow hauler for the family. And I had a couple thoughts. First off, you had a Highlander. You have this Lexus RX that you're going to sell now, and you have an ID4. What that tells me is you don't have anything massive. Mm-hmm. You don't have a big body on frame seven seater. It is five of you. So you don't necessarily space wise need a big body on frame thing. You're saying you'd kind of like a truck for the tow vehicle. Why do you need a truck? You could get a truck. There is a li- open up auto tempest search for trucks in your area. They will tow over 5,000 pounds and beat trucks and you can get one for 30 or less. However, you're about to have a 16 year old who's going to be driving themselves everywhere. So now it's four of you and you haven't needed a seven seater already. Sure. I'm going to go there, used Porsche Cayenne, because anybody the, in the family would enjoy being in that car, and it has a 7,000-pound tow rating. You like SUVs. The problem with your ID4 and your Lexus RX is that neither of them can, can tow 5,000 pounds. The Cayennes, all of them, can tow over seven. Get a 2014 Cayenne diesel. That would be even better. That's now, like I don't, the sweet spot. That, that, that is the thing. You can find those, and they get really good diesel gas mileage. Do you want diesel? If you want an EV and we're getting you into a diesel, have we created a war there? I don't know. It's got to be a Volkswagen product, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could, I mean, look, the one that my wife and I just got, the e-hybrid, has been a great plug-in EV, mm-hmm. and we've actually got surprisingly good gas mileage. There's an update video on that coming fairly soon. That one was thirty-seven grand, and a twenty seventeen. You get older than that and get down to thirty grand. You leave twenty for the car you buy for the for your teenager. Mm. But I did mm. think all of the SUVs you've had are in that kind of five seat configuration. I know the Highlander could do seven, but kind of five seat configuration. You're having towing issues. Why go full pickup when you could go nice SUV? Well, that's interesting. I brought up the Suburban and also the Avalanche, if you go back a generation mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. two, because they've got independent rear suspension, but yet they still tow a lot of uh, capacity they're there. They're great for that, yeah. Same with uh, the Expedition, independent rear suspension, and they're really great for that. The, mm-hmm. the Expedition that I have that is now 12 years old has like 92, 9,400 pound towing capacity. Your Expo is amazing. It really is great. Independent rear suspension, and it's got such a great ride. But if that 16-year-old is going boating with them, they will not be driving their car. It'd still be five people in the car. Theoretically, but you could get five people in a second-gen Cayenne. If you're you going to the could. lake or whatever. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not towing your boat four hours, I wouldn't think, to the lake. You're towing it across town, ideally, or maybe an hour or two. And if it's, it's the towing. mountain bike, you don't need to pick up either. You just put a really nice bike rack on your tow hitch. Ask me how I know. Wonder how much the new X2 toes. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get the X2. Don't do that. No, I'm I'm wondering about an EV for for new drivers. I definitely take your point because parents don't want to get the call, but on the other hand, it's a teachable moment, is it not? <laughs> you have to stay on that street corner until that car gets charged. Well, what happens? And then planning in planning in advance, you know, knowing okay, this is a different kind of a vehicle. We're going to have to plan in advance once you take ownership of this. Also, I've been uh, poking around on Auto Tempest here, and really cool to find out that open recall will be by any of the bolts that have not had the battery replaced yet. So it's shown as an open recall from Auto Tempest, and it has the details about that particular recall and what the consequences and remedies are, Mm. which is great. 
I didn't realize that Auto Tempest did that. That's really cool. So when there are recalls for anything, it looks like they will post that for all the listings. What are you finding for uh, used bolt prices? How far down are we already? Uh, we are down to just under fifteen grand for a twenty nineteen wow. Bolt EV, eighty thousand miles. But fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think it would be fine. You know, you're definitely going to want to have that particular recall taken care of. Yeah, get the battery. And many solved. of them, that's interesting. Many of them are on here with the uh, the recall still open. Yeah, which Seems is like why they're selling for cheap. That's why they're selling for cheap because people hand, wanted to get that done, and it was actually for a while it was hard to get it done. That's the reason. Yeah, but it's a it's a watch. We've got an old review of it where we had it with the Model Three. It's a surprisingly good car, much better than most people expect. If you do want a full EV, I still stand by hybrids. I think the Civic Hybrid is good. The CRZ is a bit. I realize a bit of a left turn, but it's a good one. All of the generations of the Prius are a perfectly passable car. Mm -hmm. I did not say fun. I said a perfectly passable car. Okay. The current okay. gen we are trying to have fun with. The yes. prior generations, not fun, but do work very well as appliance cars, depending on what you're looking for. I mean, uh, this is always the struggle as a parent. You have a first-time driver. Do you get them uh, a, a house to drive around? Do you get yeah, them something yeah. old because it's cheap and you think they're going to wreck it, but then what are the safety consequences of buying something old or the reliability consequences? These are all of the things that swirl around. I do think you're going to need to go used on both of these in order to get both cars for fifty grand, but there's lots of options swirling around here. Since the budget went up, Matthew and family, <laughs> I... I like the EV for the reasons that I've stated, but I am also standing on manual transmission for new drivers mm. because not only is it a good life skill to know and, and learn, especially when you're starting out and you're, you're in learning mode, you're open to everything and understanding how to drive and navigate and still shift and operate this mm -hmm. thing, but also it really reduces the distractions. I feel strong. It's hard to have something in your hand when you got to use everything. Less phone, yeah. less coffee, mm -hmm. less stuff going on. You're engaged in the act of driving and really understand dynamics of the car when you mess up a shift mm -hmm. and you miss a shift or you upset the car some way. It's not just play and pause like the the pedals. The, well, I hate yeah. that. It drives me up a wall yeah. because it feeds into the, well, when I want to stop, I just push on that pedal. No, that's not what happens because you have to learn about tires and their contact patch with the earth and what kind of surface are you on and is it cold or hot? The ID4 tires? has the pedals you're talking is about. Is it the ID4? It is the ID4. They have the play and pause pedals in the family. That, I agree with you. That's the wrong thinking. That's wrong. It's teaching I, I people agree. the wrong thing because, I agree. well, sure, it might go, but what if your wheels start to spin and the car doesn't go? Mm. It doesn't correspond with physics. <laughs> We are huge proponents in the manual transmission for the early driver. And if you haven't seen it, you can watch our teaching manual transmission video from a couple years back when we had our cheap sports cars and we actually taught high schoolers to drive and the value of it. It is incredibly important. It is something that I definitely want my now 14-year-old son to learn and his first car to be manual. I realize that's not all parents. I am going to say Honda CRZ does come in a manual. Yes. This, which is a rare hybrid manual, which is very, very hard to find. But there's a lot of consideration you guys are dealing with here. I do th I'm do. i going to circle back to a couple things. And that first thing is you asked about selling that Lexus. I think you definitely should sell it. Now, what's the level of hassle? You asked about sell or trade in. The reality is you're going to have to sell it. 
even if that's now Carvana could make it easy for you. Someplace like CarMax might make it easy for you where you don't have to actually have it, you know, listed anywhere and talk to people. You could probably solve it easily. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. the problem is you're probably not going to get good trade in trying to then turn around and get something used. You need to get the cash out of that Lexus and then take it with that insurance payment and get something. And again, I think what you need is an SUV with towing capability so the whole family can ride in it. And then are we going hybrid? Are we going EV? After my initial thought, for no cheap EVs. We've done better than I thought we would there. How about a Civic Si, 10th generation, manual? Civic Si, used, it's a Civic. The last gen? The last gen. I don't know that they need an Si, though. That's the thing. I mean, other than the fact it gets you manual. That's what I'm thinking, because yeah, it only that. comes with a manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gives a little yeah. bit of performance, yeah. a lot of rev hang, and it's still a Honda. <laughs> the rev hang's going to make it easy to drive. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. what I'm thinking. I hear that. And then it's just a Honda, it works. But it's got more space, a bit of mm-hmm. more of a usable car. I do like sure. your CRZ idea, but they're older, and they're very small. They so are. They're very small. Kind of thinking 10th generation Civic Si, somewhere in there. Yeah. I'll be high uh, teens as far as price well and you've got you've probably gotten the 30s miles per gallon which is mm-hmm. good as well mm-hmm. i mean there's all these kind of considerations and we could also start talking about things like mini coopers those That's are actually good, yeah. really good little fun uh, first time cars we could go so far as the honda fit something else comes in manual is the very fit usable is good. The fit. they are, they are, don't cost much at all they're not that yeah. powerful they are great cars for tons of storage honestly you're not going to want this but your 16 year old could treat that like a clown car how many of my friends could i get in this at least it's, one video. It's seriously. So the, the Fit is a surprisingly usable car. The, the unknown here about this entire car debate is how much is this third car going to get used by parents? Because that changes the equation, too. If oh, the parents yes, are going to drive right. it a lot, they're going to be like, I don't want to drive that. But I do <laughs> think, true. I actually think that the Fit is going to be cheap on insurance, incredibly usable, can come in manual or anything else, and also is surprisingly safe for a small package car. I like it. Thank you for sending in your debate. If you've got one like this, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. PowerStop. Break upgrades made easy. Our second debate comes from Tim M. in Annapolis, Maryland. Some call him Tim. Sorry, couldn't resist. Yeah. Tim wants to appear successful, but not too successful. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all at some point? It doesn't does the facade at some point break? We're just like, huh, I, so. I look like an idiot. Anyway. Well, Tim's minister of wealth is a devoted lover of SUVs. I like this. The MOW. <laughs> Tim. Minister of Wealth is fun. It's good. It's a good new it's one. Funny. I like it. 
Tim and his wife will need to put their best foot forward for a wagon or a sedan, and he's not opposed to an SUV. Okay. Their current arrangement includes a 2022 Mazda CX-5 Turbo and a 2021 Subaru Outbacks, the Onyx Edition, which we drove. We actually did a review on that. Yeah, we did. The Subi is going to go. Woohoo! <laughs> Great job. Thank you for writing, Tim. I'm glad to hear you're selling the Subaru Outback. And moving on. No, that's not where we're headed. Besides a clutch that needed to be replaced under warranty, it's been extremely reliable over 70,000 miles. I'm not of, surprised. Of course it has. And the CX-5 is so consistent, it's boring. But that's not a bad thing. He writes, it drives great. It's perfect for them. The Outback is the one we're replacing here, but he does acknowledge that the CX-5, there's nothing to complain about. And that's simultaneously what's great and terrible about it. But, mm. but mm. to your credit, it's perfect for your needs. And since you guys alternate cars and you're the one getting rid of the Subaru, then that means it's your turn to get a new daily. And you said you're in sales, so commutes vary. But it very often is a 100-mile round trip. Every now and then you do a chauffeur trip for your wife and daughter with regular trips to upstate New York, etc. So you do drive around the eastern seaboard a good amount. And uh, you said, you know... A Land Cruiser on the beach should be cool. Everything else about your email does not match <laughs> Land Cruiser on the beach, by the way. But I do understand Land Cruiser on the beach seems cool. Until, <laughs> invariably, you're going to get it stuck. Of course. Because this got, is what happens. You've got the romanticized image mm -hmm. of Land Cruiser on the beach. Mm -hmm. Driving through the water and it's splashing over the fenders and we're laughing. It ha, can do ha, this, ha. honey. Oh, look. You know what? I can go all the way over. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just bring a shovel, Tim, because you're going to be digging. And lots of friends. Yeah. <laughs> Here are the important things that matter to Tim and his family. Reliability, because Tim drives a good amount. He doesn't want anything that will be in the shop constantly. And it can't blend in with the crowd. That's an interesting one to throw in here. Because the Subaru blended in with the oh, crowd. Oh, the Subaru is what makes up the crowd. <laughs> it's just all crowd. outbacks. Right. It's just when you drive something other than an outback, it's when you stand out. So you, again, you want to appear successful, but not too. Don't go too far, mm -hmm. but don't blend in with the, with the crowd. <laughs> got to be comfortable. It's got to have luxurious features like cooled seats and a massage option. Okay. And some driving dynamics. Because you're in this car a lot. So it is simultaneously yeah. your respite and every now and then your entertainment. Obviously, you do things like listen to podcasts in the car. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of stuff for that. But this is a car that is a, this is your miles car for sure. Tim says to us, think comfortable seats. Okay. Tim wants to slip into this car, cruise at 80 miles an hour while he jams to a great audio system. Like it. That little sentence changed my mind while okay, I was good. choosing for you, Tim, and I can't wait to share. <laughs> Tim needs comfort. He mentions comfort a lot. And it could take him between the mean streets of Washington, D.C., up to Baltimore, and terrible traffic jams in between. And then he calls me out. He says, hey, Todd, uh, you know that Volkswagen Phaeton that I wax lyrical about? And I do. He said, what about that, but <laughs> not terrible and modern, which would be great. A good combination there. He said, the cars that catch his eye, interesting list here, Lexus LS, the new Land Cruiser, the old Land Cruiser. I'm sorry, Tim, we're going to need to let the Land Cruiser go. You're only going to like it. Maybe you could here's just rent one on Turo. You, you, you could probably take it rent one at the beach. You, you probably, probably could. could. Here's the thing. You're only going <laughs> to like that. You're, I, I'm telling you right now, for what you need, you're only going to like a new or old Land Cruiser for the moments between when you left the pavement and got onto sand and when you get it stuck. That's when you're going to love true. it. Every other time you're going to be like, why do I have a Land Cruiser? Here's so, a pin drop where yeah, your car is. Mm -hmm, yeah. Sorry, I got it stuck. Lexus IS. You do bring up the Cayenne, which is interesting because I actually thought of that. I know you're surprised to hear that, everyone. The Audi S5, a 328D X-Drive Sport Wagon BMW. That's very specific. Discerning choice. An AMG wagon or a V60 Polestar. What I like about this is I was actually thinking Volvo when I got to this part of the email and was like, really? Volvo. It's the Phaeton line that got me there. I remember saying in the recent S60 
that we had that was the everything. Because, you know, Volvo is doing the drivetrain that does, does it all right now. Mm-hmm. We have the four-cylinder because, you know, gasoline engine. We have a turbo because the gasoline engine is tiny. We have a supercharger because the turbo wasn't enough. And then we added a hybrid system on top of it. <laughs> it's pretty much, we have technology. Let's put it all on one engine. So now, fast. while the longevity of that engine concerns me, it is an amazing amount of power and capability. And you can get it in plug-in PHEV. I mentioned in the S60, and we had the same experience in the S90 and the V versions as well, that when I'm driving those, they feel like the modern equivalent of my Phaeton. Tons of space, great seats, nice audio, massage, comfort, everything, but they're a little bit stealth. It's not the obvious choice. They're a little bit stealth. You can get them for your budget. The 65 to 80K that you've got is viable. I like the fact that you're thinking AMG wagon, but not for 65 to 80K. Did you catch that? Todd said 65 to 80. That is Tim's budget. That Mm -hmm. is healthy. Mm -hmm. And that really helps. And Tim, again, says he wants the car to stand out, but he's not looking for a Maserati or a Ferrari Mm -hmm. type of appeal. Does that mean my choice of the Maserati Grecale is off the (laughs) table, Tim? You're going to talk him right into a Quattroporte, aren't you? I'm going to try. Look, Tim, it has four doors. It's right there in the name. (laughs) It's got seats, doors. It's got everything. The Uh whole nine yards. All you need. Tim, I admit I started at Cayenne 2 and then I dabbled with Mercedes AMG GLC 43s or GLE 53s because mm. they have a lot of power and they they do the things that you're wanting. And then your talk about don't blend in with the crowd resonated, even though those are very standout vehicles and they're excellent. I thought about your Maserati comment and you thought, okay, the Gricali is out there, but those are still too, a little too expensive. We haven't driven one quite yet and I would like to get in one before mm-hmm. I recommend it, even though I have high hopes for it and I'm a big fan of Maserati now. But all that changed when you said audio. Oh. It all changed. Where did you go? Even though all of these have good stereos. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have decided, Tim. (laughs) Paul has decided, everyone. I have determined. I like it, yes. The decision is being handed down that you need to buy an Acura MDX Type S Advance. Oh, that's actually really good. It is spectacular, Tim. And it comes with ELS Studio 3D Signature. It has 25 speakers and over 1,000 watts of power out of high-fidelity carbon speakers, including six Highline overhead speakers. You buy it in Tiger Eye Pearl or Apex Blue Pearl or Performance Red Pearl. And you get an incredible Hmm. SUV. It's the Type S package, standard SH all-wheel drive. And the front seats have massage modes. Not only do they massage you, they have massage modes, my friend. I'm actually surprised that you went, I mean, the, uh, the MDX is great. The Type S MDX is great. I'm surprised you didn't actually go TLX because of his usage. Occasionally, he's going to have clients and they're not going to be happy in the back seats. But in general, it's his car. TLX would work here. If, if just, he's got enough space in the back. If yeah, he needs yeah, space yeah. in the back, you're right. The TLX is right out. MDX is a really good one. The MDX third row folds in such a way where you don't know it's a third row, which gives me interesting a point. lot of encouragement. Interesting it's point. not yeah. the biggest yeah. third row ever, which means the vehicle is not the biggest thing ever. But I was so impressed for what this does. And the mm. TLX, that... That rear seat space prevents me from recommending it, even though it's hard. It depends, depends on, your on the usage. person. If you're not a tree like we are, Tim, and if you can fit people in the back seat, the TLX is a phenomenal sedan. 
it's that lack of space in the back that gives us pause. But I, MDX, I did not expect you to go there. That's good. The Acura website, Tim, says the Type S starts at $68,000, but the Type S Advance, which is the one I'm recommending, starts at $73,500. I bet you you could even find one slightly used with a few thousand miles on it. Mm. But even if you go new, this is what I recommend for you because of the amenities and because it does exactly 355 horsepower, 354 pound-feet of torque, Brembo front brakes, 21-inch wheels, modern quilted leather seating surfaces. I mean, this is what you imagine yourself disappearing into, and it's mm, fast. Mm. It handles well. It it doesn't handle well for an SUV. It handles well. It handles well, period. You're right. Watch our review of it. We drove that Tiger Eye Pearl on the Test Drive channel, and we were, we were yes. genuinely surprised by it. And it's interesting also because the non-Type S, the base MDX of the current gen, I liked and you really didn't. Yes. And we went to Type S, and you came even farther than I did into the light column. <laughs> so on board yeah, with this. Yeah, yeah. And it says success, and it says, I'm not too successful, but I'm just successful enough. Mm. That's what this does for me. That's why I like the Acura brand so much. I, I see they that. deliver. That's a, that's a great call, and I'm going to back that play. I am going to stay in the Volvo camp because I think more S60s or S90s in the world, but if you really want to stand out, Tim, that is when wagons are your friend. The V60 wagon is really is cool. Sweet. You said the V60 wagon. Yeah. You even mentioned the Polestar version. If you could get that, that is a car no one has, and man, they're cool. That's awesome. All right, Tim. Well, you've got some shopping to do. You've got some driving homework, my yes, friend. Yes, Please let us know how it goes and send in your car conclusion when you get a chance. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. Guys, great questions at all, as always. What I like is that when we post a picture of a lot of fun cars, we get a lot of fun comments, which I really think is great. I want to remind you this is episode 840. That means we are 10 episodes away from our next live stream version of this podcast. And also, just making it crazier, at the 50 markers is when we do all questions, like all the live streams, but no cars. Mm -hmm. And I'm warning you about that because it's a few weeks away and they tend to get a little crazy. Indeed. But I was noticing yes. that it's 840. I thought I'd let you know that. Speaking of other things that we talk about, and that is sheer car obsession, I loved this question from Michael on Facebook. Would we go for a drive just for fun, even if we didn't have a sporty car? He's asking because he's currently holidaying on an island where the only automobiles or vehicles are golf carts. And he just took their buggy out for a spirited drive down the only one kilometer back road. He said it's all of 20 kilometers per hour top speed, and he was laughing, and his wife has officially decided he's insane. 
<laughs> Michael, if we you are, agree, yeah, we we are with you. We would be right there with you. We're on are board. There, are there extra golf carts on yes. the island? Where do we come and when can we race? Freaking race! I am, all, yes. I am for all of this. You know, one of those is calibrated incorrectly and does twenty-one kilometers per hour. Yes, the key it does. thing is to find which one that is. We must find but, out, M- Michael. You're not crazy. You're just deeply, deeply car disease. The answer to your question is: I have been many places where there is a cool road and no cool car. And if Mm -hmm. I have the opportunity, I would rather drive the cool road in a lesser car than not drive it at all. Now, if you watch our 2000 mile South Dakota piece or any of our road trips, we highly, highly push, get a fun car to do the road in as well. But we understand that reality sometimes doesn't allow that. At least drive the fun road, that's worth something. Fantastic question over here on Instagram from h2o.st.44. Ask me what I think of graphene batteries as a basis for car mm. batteries. Could this solve the weight problem for electric cars? It could. And a quick bit of education on what graphene is and how it's used. According to an article on Financial Times here written by Kate Burgess, July 20, 2019, graphene was invented in 2004. It was actually discovered by a couple of Manchester University scientists who realized that a one atom thick sheet of carbon was one million times thinner than a human hair. Because <laughs> that's a thing we need. I understand. Keep going, yeah. But it has 200 times the strength of steel. And then enthusiasts soon declared this ultra-thin, mega-flexible, and super-conductive material what would do for Manchester University what silicon did to the valley in California. She writes, Graphene would revolutionize electronics, computers, energy, biotech, and transport. But unfortunately, graphene is difficult to produce because it's one atom thick. So it's difficult to to mass produce. Uh It's also very expensive. According to this article, 125,000 pounds per kilogram. Also, graphene is so superior that it doesn't work easily with other materials. We're now apparently exploring graphene as the basis for a solid state battery, like a graphene ceramic solid state battery. The prototypes could be the blueprint for safe, fast charging alternatives to the current lithium ion batteries that have the liquid electrolytes in them, Mm. which is great. But again, the expense and the size is prohibitive. And the biggest battery I could currently find, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, is made by a company called electjet.com, E-L-E-C-J-E-T. And it's a power bank to recharge your phone. Hmm. It's cool and it exists and it is a graphene based (laughs) battery, but it's only about as big as your phone and it'll charge your whole phone in about 27 minutes, which is awesome, but we haven't scaled Mm, up. mm. And then the commercial viability is the problem there is because there's no companies that have been able to make a lot of money with the application of graphene yet. There's all kinds of test pilots and partnerships and projects and test cases. And we found out that it's great for golf balls and it can be added to concrete. And yes, graphene is a super material and it has incredible powers to the point where the University of Manchester has created a YouTube channel Hmm. And declared themselves the home of graphene, and it is fascinating. <laughs> the videos on here are amazing. You are so deep in it. I love it. What graphene can do will revolutionize everything, but we're far from getting there. And especially mm-hmm. if nobody can make money off using graphene, the other issue is graphene goes a long way. A tiny amount of it goes too far. 
So for it to be commercially viable, you have to sell volumes of this stuff. You have to figure sure, out how to make sure, it and mass produce yeah. it. But then you have to get it out there in <laughs> volumes that money can be made off for companies. And there's companies who have backed away from it after investigating it, finding it to be awesome, but they can't make it commercially viable to make money off of it. I would love to investigate furniture design using graphene. Mm. Super thin, mm. ultra lightweight. Imagine what <laughs> we could do with furniture. And, what you're talking and, and about architects. is the stupid, cheap plastic deck chairs that you buy that fall apart in a couple seasons. Thinner than that, but won't shatter. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, you bring that up because my stupid plastic deck chair shattered. I did, I but that's what fell happens. Out of it. But that's what happens, though. Over time, yes. with those weathering, what do they all do? They don't. They already start a little bit too bendy for their own good. <laughs> yes, and over they time, do. they just shatter. What about a graph? This is why you're thinking about it. I know it is. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So one of my favorite companies that makes cool clothes is called Volleback.com. V-O-L-L-E-B-A-K, started by a couple of brothers. And they have really investigated all kinds of different fibers to create their clothing. And they have made a three-layer jacket with a graphene core, and it is highly waterproof, very breathable. It's 197 grams. The whole jacket. <laughs> you are you are the out there, man. Problem, I love it. The problem with this jacket is that it's a thousand bucks. It's a thousand dollars for a jacket. Yes, do I do I want it? Yes, I do. It's a thousand dollars for a jacket. But how cool they're exploring these materials and this is absolutely, to answer your question, H2O, that, that is the future. And if scientists can come up with this lightweight battery that is solid state, but so far it's really just kind of revolutionizing golf balls and hockey sticks and the mm. things that currently exist to make them better. We haven't arrived at the point with a full-scale battery. We're not there yet. <laughs> but it's cool. It's super cool. Just find that website, uh, or sorry, the, uh, the YouTube channel, Manchester University, and they're the home of graphene. Right. Fantastic. Very I was looking for that, and uh, now we found them. Seth Kleinman on Facebook is trying to call us out. He says, why don't I put winter tires on the Elise and drive it in the winter? So the, the Miata did it in the Miata versus Rogue video. Surely the Elise can too. Seems like you should practice what you preach, and that's where the record comes to a scratch. And I'm going to say, <laughs> Seth, have we not practiced what we preach? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was the Mini Cooper yeah. driven in the winter. People looked at me weird. There was the FRS driven in the winter. People looked at me weird. There was the GT86 driven in the winter. People looked at me weird. There was the Z4 convertible BMW driven in the winter. People looked at me weird. The reason actually the, the Elise. gr 86 Yes, exactly. The reason the Elise hasn't actually been done is because we have always had a winter coverage car other than the Elise that we have been covering with winter tires. Now, the Elise is a separate thing. Would I drive it in the winter? Sure. Have I had a need to so far? No, because again, we've had a car that we've been covering for a year at a time and we've been driving it all winter. We're going to drive the C8 all winter, so that's mm -hmm. going to get covered. Yes. I actually have debated it for this winter on the Elise. We'll see if I do it, but the Elise has a separate issue and that is it's difficult to get good matching tires in the right sizes for the Elise. Mm -hmm. And the Elise yeah. is definitely tire sensitive, so I'm going to have to, to figure that out. The fact that it is mostly an aluminum chassis, I don't have to worry about the salting issues of other things. I, there is a part of me that 100% wants to do the Elise in the snow videos. It just hasn't been the top of the winter priority because we've had all of these other cars. We have definitely practiced what we preach and put the cars we own through the winter in the salt. The FRS did three or four winters with me. Yeah, it did. The 86 yeah. did uh, did the last one the, that last year, 86 did. So we love doing all of that winter in the in 
uh, winter fun cars. We love doing it. We're doing it again this year. Also, there was a Phaeton in there that was driven all winter, including trying to use it as a snowplow and failing. The only actual question with the Elise is this. My Elise is actually lowered about an inch from stock height and sits quite low. Telling you, so stick a blade on that thing, I go plow the neighbors. We'll probably just plow the block. That is the bigger concern. <laughs> People yeah. will thank you. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah, in the, the guy in the weird thing. yellow, yellow thing. Yellow yeah, exactly snow plow. Right. Totally. You could put a flashing safety light on the roof. It is a flashing safety light of a car. Why <laughs> not? Is. Yeah, it kind of is. And yet, you know, you're right about the Cayman. I could drive it, but it's currently running on 20s. And it's tough to find winter tires in that size, which means a downgrade in wheel size, which I can do, but it's really just cost. It comes down to money to be able to do that. And yes, we could get the tires. I know our friends at Redestein would probably happily provide those tires, but it's really the the wheels are are on me. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those things, if I'm spending money on wheels, I don't want them to be terrible, (laughs) junky wheels because it's me. And so then we're into a separate set of wheels and it's just one of those things. Money is always an issue. So Money's a thing? Really? That's weird. We want to focus on maybe it's you know the car that you're driving this winter the car that i'm driving or the car that we're both driving you know and and really the the car that it's all about the content for the year is as you said this question over here involving the filmmaking industry but i have a say here first of all crabtree nate is asking if we've noticed the most unrealistic aspect of top gun maverick i'm wondering if you're going to go where i'm going to go but keep going in the first scene in the hangar behind him behind tom cruise is an aston martin dbr1 he says, forget ejecting at Mach 10. How can a Navy captain afford a $20 million car? Well, let's set that aside for just a moment. Uh, please go where I'm going to go. How can a Navy captain afford a Mustang P-51? Yes. You think the Aston Martin <laughs> is hard to afford. I went looking, Crabtree mm. Nate. PlatinumFighters.com currently has listed a 1943 North American P-51B mm. Mustang named Impatient Virgin. <laughs> On their website. <laughs> of course it is. And number 5087 Foxtrot for sale for $3.5 million. And yes, it's running that brilliant Merlin engine. And the I'm reason I bring that, that cheap. up. But anyway, I yeah. agree. They're mostly four to four point five million. Yeah. So three and a half million is a steal. You can get a genuine, absolutely with history. This was delivered in early 1944 to the 376th Fighter Squadron based in Bodisham, England. And it had 700 hours of combat flying and four sorties on D-Day. And it provided fighter support on September 27th, 1944, and was engaged in furious dogfights and shot down three enemy aircraft as part of the squadron. And it was completely restored. But three and a half million for that, not to mention the maintenance and and insurance for that. Yeah. So I say that Aston Martin was owned by somebody else and Navy captain, they know, had hangar space. Had hangar space, yeah. So it's just parked back there. Well, You're you've right. got an extra space in your hangar. Totally. While that he's wrenching on the P-51 Because he owns for the sale. P-51, which we don't understand. And his yes. old uh, motorcycle from the 80s and somehow another motorcycle. And I'm going to go one further. His girlfriend in the film shows up in a short wheelbase silver 911 at the end yes. that she could in no way possibly afford. But this is <laughs> Hollywood. Agree. This is the fun. We got to show the really great. sexy metal. Of course we do. And that Merlin engine, let's wrench it all the way back to cars because that V12, that Rolls-Royce Merlin engine was built under license by Packard Motor Company for use. Look at the fun In the having. North American P51 which is cool. And here's one again on PlatinumFighters.com. Platinum Fighter sales under their Warbirds inventory. 
They've got a 1943 P-51. Who wants a P-51? To be honest, I thought they were a lot more than $3.5 million, but that's this still nothing. This one has provenance, history. It's been in dogfights, fully restored mm-hmm. by Pacific Fighters of Idaho Falls, Idaho. What a fantastic-looking airplane. <laughs> Come and get be. it. It better be. You know, you you as a Navy captain could easily afford it, according to the movies. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of movies, I have two great movie questions, but I'm going to start here with a track daily crush from Matt is actually saying he's got another movies edition one. The Shaguar from, <laughs> Ast- from Austin Powers. It's, it's the Jaguar E-Type the Jaguar, painted yes. as, the, uh, as the, uh, <laughs> the Union Jack. The Dog Van from Dumb and Dumber. Mutt cuts and the fa- <laughs> you're right and the family truckster from National Lampoon. Best of luck on picking a oh track. My gosh. Daily crush. I will daily the Shaguar from Austin Powers. There was an executive at New Line oh that dailyed that car for a couple of years after that film was complete. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. I couldn't believe that he did it, but he dailyed. He, he he rose to the highest point of New Line right around the time that that movie was <laughs> oh was coming out, and so he just decided he was going to commandeer that car and drove it as his car for a while. But I would daily the Shaguar, absolutely. I mean, I, I I would probably constantly be annoyed by people wanting to quote things at me and that kind of stuff. But you know what? That car would be funny. I wish it actually did drive itself. As it does not. What am I tracking? The dog van or the family truck? You know what? Based on our Prius experience. Mm which proved to me yet again how fun it is to track something that isn't meant to be tracked. Right. I think it's time to track the dog van and crush the National Lampoon truckster. All righty then. I love it. Elbeven5 has developed a bad habit of bidding up cars on auction websites. You're that guy. It's you. Uh-huh. You accidentally won an Audi A7 for 15 grand. That's what happens. The problem is it needs $4,000 in suspension repairs, and he's afraid that's just the beginning. Mm. How long should he hold on to it, or should he just drive it into the grave? Putting money into that car is going to put so much stress on you. I think you need to get rid of it as soon as possible. And Can you direct <laughs> that bad habit to getting a car that you don't have to put money into, but that still will be enjoyable to drive, <laughs> and maybe it's a bit of a keeper? Because this one doesn't seem like a keeper. Audi A7, I mean, I would think like an S7 or something like that, but even still, uh, 15 grand. I bet you you could get out of it for that kind of money, even posting that it needs the suspension work. I bet you could. I mean, heck, you bought a Phaeton for five grand. I did. I don't you recommend knew the that. Suspension by the way. was going to collapse, and it guess did. what? It did. Like first weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nick Lancy is asking a question that could go on for some time, but I'm going to try to answer it efficiently, and that is do we have any tips for someone wanting to film? A road trip. Now, having done a few of these, our most recent being the 2,000-mile South Dakota trip that's currently playing on our main channel, if you haven't seen it, it is feature length, and it deserves a big screen, and I hope you'll watch it and Mm -hmm. leave a comment and Mm -hmm. pass it on, because we're very, very proud of that film. But this is the reason you're asking. And Nick, I'm going to try to answer this nicely, because the short answer is don't. Mm. I mean, I hate to say Mm. it, because the, the reality, and look, we enjoy doing it, And we also know we're making something for you guys, the audience, and that gives us joy as well, and we've got it pretty well dialed. But the problem is, you are going to complicate every step of your road trip by wanting to film it. So my question Mm -hmm. for you is, and this is something only you can answer, but what is the end result you're going for? Because if the end result is kind of the video version of the old family slideshow, I got back from my trip, y'all come over, we'll have some drinks, I'll show you the slides. If it's that, just shoot little snippets on your phone, 
I saw this place. Take photos if you want. Put them in a little. There's there's a million programs you can put in an easy montage. It'll take you no time, etc. If you're wanting to make something that feels produced, like we do, mm-hmm. you want to do something of that scale. It means you stop a lot. You stop. You need people yeah. to help you film the fact that the road trip's going on. You can do that a myriad of ways, from simple GoPros mounted in the car, or get a little mount for your phone, or have a follow car. How far do you want to take this? But the but the secondary question is, if you're wanting to create something produced. I'm less even worried than the time it will take you on the road trip because it's going to mean, oh, we're going here. We need to make sure we film these things. And you're always going to wish you filmed more. Think about that for a second. If you're really wanting to get a lot of crazy, like cover your, your road trip, you're going to no question wind up in editorial and I'm headed there next. And you're going to be like, I really wish you would have filmed more there. So you're going to need to film a lot, which means you're going to cover less distance every day, which frankly, Nick, that may be your plan. That could be really fun if you want to do it. But then you have mountains of footage when your trip is over. Someone has to go through that and put it together in a coherent format because I guarantee those people you would invite over for the slideshow don't want to see all that footage. (laughs) So somebody's going to have to take and spend many, many, many hours Culling through the footage and cutting it into something coherent. So all of that comes back to my initial question, which is what, and I'm happy to follow up if you want to follow up again. What is your end hope? What do you hope to have to show for it? Because what I want Mm -hmm. you to do more than anything, and all of you listening, take more road trips and enjoy them as much as you possibly can and be in the moment on that road trip as much as you possibly can. And making a film around it wants to whittle away at those things I've just said. So what is the end goal and work from there? Excellent answer. Fantastic answer. I will end with this question from Bob McCormick on Facebook asking what qualities do our great roads all have in common? Ooh, excellent asphalt. That is a good one. I will add one. Yes. Curviness. Yes. Altitude, Mm -hmm. but excellent asphalt. That is, that is paramount. It is excellent because you can be on a great road where the, where the surface goes to hell and it's suddenly like, I don't like being here anymore. Right. But I will say this as well. All of my very favorites, every 10, maybe 20 miles, they kind of change their style. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The terrain changes a bit. Yeah. The scenery changes a bit. You, you, we were on a high mountain switchback for a few miles, and now we're on a big valley that just seems like it goes forever, but we're going to get in those mountains over there, and those mountains are deserty. Why are those mountains deserty? Because these back ones were alpine. What's mm-hmm. the, I love that. Very few roads pull that off because most roads aren't long enough to pull it off, but the ones that are great always do. Thank you for all your questions. Write to us with your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all your car debates, TV at gmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you, and we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.